I'm going to be in the gospel today. We'll do the Torah portion at Midrash. Yeshua is in the middle of a riff that starts back in John 8:12 and goes to John 9:41. So that whole chunk of scripture is one riff. And it starts off with him saying, I am the light of the world. And it ends then with him healing a blind man. So this is all in the context of light and sight and vision. And one of the things he talks about is truth. It's sort of in the middle. I I didn't count verses, so I can't tell you if it's real chiasm or not. But in the middle of that, he says what we talked about last week. It's in 831, so Yeshua said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, last week in Midrash, we spent the entire time going through the idea that you're a slave to whatever you follow. So Paul in Romans was talking about If you follow sin, you're a slave to sin. Yeshua will say the same thing. If you follow sin, you're a slave to sin. I don't intend to repeat that today. But what I want to spend my time on is, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What we didn't talk about last time, which is implied here, is what is the truth? And that's what I want to talk about today. He just sort of hits this, The truth will set you free, but he never really does much with that. And then in today's Torah portion, he accuses the Pharisees of being liars. And so the whole thing has to do with light, with truth, and so forth. One of the things that is common in rabbinic commentaries about this time of year, and I like it very much, is the high holy days, time between Yom Teruah, and Yom Kippur is like a flash of light. And as you go through your year and you got your head down and your butt up and you're just working and you know doing all the stuff that you do, it's really good at one time a year to pop your head up, look at the sky, and you get this illumination, if you will. And the way I describe it is I spent a lot of time in the Army. And a lot of time in the Army you spend walking around in the dark just what you do. So you're stumbling around in the dark and you're walking along and you sort of hope you know where you are. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. And it's kind of fun to get a flash of lightning and with a flash of lightning you can see everything and you can reorient yourself. Oh, okay, I'm in the right place or I need to move or whatever. But this idea of once a year getting this flash of light that illuminates what's going on, and you can pop your head up and you look around and you say, oh, okay, I'm on the right track. Or, oh, I'm not on the right track and I need to make an adjustment. And that's what this time of the year is for, which is why I like the fact that we are in this particular section of John where Yeshua is talking about him being the light of the world. I think it works out very well. One of the things that light does is exposes wickedness. And if you back up to John 3, and I talked about this last time briefly, 319, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. 
but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. So the idea that you have wickedness associated with darkness and good deeds and and good behavior associated with light starts clear back in John 3. So the question I want to ask you is what is it about the truth that makes you free or alternatively, what is it about untruth that leads to slavery? Because again, remember the next thing that happens after my disciples will know my word and the truth will set you free, we talk about slavery to sin. So the first thing we need to do is get a couple definitions. And the first definition is what's truth? I've talked about this in the past, and I will suggest that truth is information that matches reality. If it doesn't match reality, it's not true. Well, that leads you to the next question. What's reality? And by the way, when I say this, every child knows what reality is, but philosophers have real trouble with it. And what reality is, is that which is independent of what anyone thinks of it. So, if I were to say, it is true that that chair will hold me up if I stand on it. How do we know that? I mean, I could look at that chair and I'd say, well, it looks like a good chair. It's kind of solid. You may think it will. You may think, well, that's kind of a dangerous thing to do. Well, let's check. Ah, that statement is true. That statement is objectively true because I can stand on the chair and it will hold me up. You just saw it. And regardless of what you think about that, the chair held me up. Your opinion about that doesn't matter. Nobody's opinion about that matters. The truth is that that chair held me up. So, two things then. Truth is information that matches reality, and then reality is that which is independent of what anybody's opinion is. You need to have that grounding. Now, truth is hard. Philosophers have been wrestling with this for thousands of years, and they expend lots of words And often they get far away from what I just did. And the reason that that's possible is because the way God has constructed his universe, most of what we believe never bumps up against reality. So you're perfectly free to have all sorts of opinions about all sorts of stuff, and as long as your opinion doesn't hit reality, you just sort of float along. The other part of that is most of reality consists of secondary effects or delayed results. So, for example, it is in fact true that if you marry, delay having children until you marry, stay married, work, your life will go pretty well. But a lot of people don't do that. And the reason they don't do that is because the effects of having children before you get married are delayed. There's a time lag, if you will. So the results of that, when you finally do run up against reality, is, gee, I forgot how I got here. So a lot of people go through their lives walking in lies 
and they don't realize that they're walking in lies because they haven't bumped into reality in respect to that particular lie. Untruth is attractive. Lies are really attractive. If they weren't attractive, we wouldn't have so many of them. And what a lie does is it allows me to justify having my own sweet way. If I can construct a lie that's congenial to what I want to do, and I can say that that lie is the truth, and I walk through my life assuming that that lie I have just told myself is true, what that means is I can construct my own reality for a while, again, until I bump into reality. And very often, bumping into reality is so far away from the lie that I've told myself that I don't make the connection. And so I keep stumbling along in this lie that I have come to believe. Back to Yeshua. Yeshua says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what Yeshua is saying is two things. One is the truth will set you free. In other words, once you get rid of the lies, you come out from under sin, and you are no longer a slave to that which you follow. But the other thing that he says is, if you are my disciples. And the thing about being a disciple of Yeshua is you have access to information that is absolutely true. That's what scripture is. There's three ways of organizing human society. One is force. I'm bigger than you are. I've got a bigger army than you have. We're going to do it my way because if we don't, I'll kill you. That's the first way, and that's the oldest way. And that gets all tarted up with things like the divine right of kings and I'm really a god. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that that gets tarted up with, but it basically is, I'm bigger than you are. We're going to do it my way or I'll kill you. Way number two is human reason. Well, I have got this really good intellect, and I can figure out how best to do things. And if I think about this really hard, and we get together and we all think about this, we're going to come up with a really perfect society. The result of that is communism, socialism, Nazism, the French Revolution. And what that devolves into is, oh, you don't think like I do, so I guess I have to kill you. And all of those systems devolve into terror. Millions and millions of people killed worldwide in societies that are based solely on human reason. The third way to orient a society is external, the Word of God. And the thing about the Word of God is it's not subject to human reason. It's written down. And God says, this is true. Do this and live. And societies that are based on that still go into the weeds. Israel does repeatedly. We're in the process of doing it right now. But it takes a whole lot longer. And furthermore, once you get into the weeds, it provides you with a way to come back out of the weeds. Whereas with societies based on force or reason, there's no way back. It just winds up in extermination. So what Yeshua is saying is, if you're my disciples, you have access to this supernatural, extra-human knowledge, which is in the scriptures. You have access to my spirit, which will tell you about 
things that are beyond human reason. Now, don't get me wrong, reason's a wonderful tool. I use it myself sometimes. But understand that if it's the basis of what you're doing, you're eventually going to go astray because reason is the handmaiden of the emotions. In other words, reason will figure out how to get what it is I want. Always does. That's why reason is not the highest thing. Scripture is the highest thing. Now, the problem, of course, with scriptures is everybody comes to the scriptures with an agenda. That's why we have sects of Judaism, sects of Christianity, all these various religions as people come to this scripture and they've got an agenda. I want to find a passage of scripture that says I can do this. And if you torture the scriptures hard enough, they will confess to anything. And so people do. So what I'm suggesting is one of the things that we do here, which I think is very healthy, is we sit down and we talk about this together in Midrash. And if John or anybody else goes off into the weeds, which I occasionally do, somebody will say, wait a minute, that's not what that means. And we come back. That's the purpose. Now, societies have lies that they all buy into. Every society does. And when that lie festers long enough, what happens is society winds up going into exile and death. Let me give you an example from Israel. Jeremiah. For those of you who know your history, Jeremiah was a prophet at the time of the Babylonian exile. So Jeremiah is prophesying while these big hairy Babylonians are coming down and are racing the place and Israel is being carried off into exile. And the lie that was prevalent then was we have the temple of God in our midst and that will protect us. God will defeat our enemies. So let's go to Jeremiah. And I'm in Jeremiah 7, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, stand under the gate of the Lord's house, stand in the gate of the Lord's house, the temple, and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. Now, he is standing in the temple, and he's saying that that saying is deceptive. Because the society has bought into a lie that God will protect us. Well, God's protection on Israel is conditional. And they have violated the conditions, so the fact that they have the temple in the midst of them ceases to be protection. But they still believe it. We have the temple of the Lord. We are safe. And that society goes right off to Babylon because societally they believe the lie. So what's our lie? We have several. One of them is autonomy. And for those of you who don't remember your Greek, autonomy means self-law. So an automobile is something that moves by itself. Auto, by itself, mobile, moves. Autonomy, auto, by itself, nomos, law. And what that means is we get to make our own laws. We get to create our own reality. 
we don't even know what bathroom to use anymore because we are making our own laws. We are creating our own reality. And part of the problem up until the 19th century is every society knew that there was a God. They didn't all recognize that it was Jehovah, but everybody understood the supernatural. What evolution did is made it intellectually respectable to cease to believe in any God. Scientists at the time said so. It is now intellectually respectable not to believe in any God. That's what evolution has done for us. Which means now our society is trucking along based on human reason and based on self-law. And just like the society in Jeremiah's time, and we are drifting farther and farther into untruth, and what happens when you go into untruth is you start doing things your own sweet way, and you go into sin and death. It's a law. It's a law of God. It just works that way. Now, one of the things that the United States is going for it is we are, in fact, founded on the Torah and founded with the knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there is hope that we can get this sucker turned around. But understand, Israel several times has been sent into exile when they finally get to the point, you guys can't govern yourself anymore. You have become so messed up that you can't govern yourself anymore, so we're going to try Babylonian rule for a while. Or we're going to try Roman rule for a while. Or we're going to try Greek rule for a while. Until you get out there and you say, oh, huh, shazam. The temple of the Lord in our midst was no protection whatsoever. That was a lie. We trusted in that lie. We now realize it's a lie and we better get back. And what God is doing with Israel right now is he is bringing them back. He says he will. When you're in exile and you're up to your hips and whatever, and you finally turn back to me, I will hear you and I will bring you back. And that's what's happening now. So God is faithful. But what God doesn't do is he doesn't accommodate human untruth. Remember, reality and truth. Truth is something that matches reality. And reality is something that it doesn't matter what your opinion of it is. And what we've all done, as I say, we followed our own opinion. Now, you all know your biblical history. Daniel, for example, was a righteous man. Daniel grew up and lived in Babylon. Daniel was taken into exile when Israel went into exile. So if the United States goes into exile, or whatever the equivalent of that is for us, understand that the righteous and the wicked will both go. Daniel's personal righteousness did not save him from the collapse of his society. Now, he continued to live and prosper, and God watched over him and all that kind of stuff. But he wasn't doing it in a three-bedroom house in Longmont, all nice and comfortable. He was doing it in Babylon. So as you're sitting in your three-bedroom house, all comfortable in Boulder, Longmont, wherever you live, understand that if this society goes down, your comfortable three-bedroom house is going to go away. Now, as I say, if you are walking with God and you're righteous, you will get many opportunities to witness to people. I mean, it'll be a target-rich environment for witnessing. But I would just as soon not go through that, quite frankly. So there is a prescription for coming back. And understand that witnessing and confronting the lies that the society believes is a matter of self-preservation. It is not, in fact, sufficient to sit on your blessed assurance and say, 
I'm going to heaven and all them sinners are not. Because when God finally takes all them sinners, he's going to take the whole boatload, everybody. That's the way it works. So thing number one, as you're going through this time, is understand that your witness to the people around you and your confrontation of the lies that this society believes, and if you want more, I'll give them to you. I mean, I've got a raft of them if you need a list. You've got to confront those things because it's a matter of self-preservation. Now, the second thing is this time that we are in is a time of introspection. So in addition to looking at the lies that are around you, you need to look at the lies that are inside of you. That's the other part of this deal. And we all have them. How do you recognize a lie? The first way you recognize it is if your life is in the dumper, you really ought to look and say, why is my life in the dumper? What am I believing that has led me to this point? And it isn't always you, but that's the way to bet. There are conditions where stuff happens to you that's not your fault, but that's not the first place to look. The first place to look is here. What lies have I believed? What have I bought? And the place to learn that is in Scripture. We've just been through Proverbs. What Proverbs is, is a 31-chapter tutorial on how do you look at yourself and see what it is that you're believing that's not true. That's what it's designed to do. So if you need a crash course, go to Proverbs and understand that at this time of the year, there's another rabbinic expression that I very much like. Between the time of Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur, the gates are open. What that means in rabbinic speak is the books are open in heaven. And what God is doing is he's looking over your life, not with the intention of slamming you, but with the intention of saying, all right, what did this guy or gal do with the resources I gave them last year? And based on what they did last year, what kind of resources am I going to invest in him this year? And in rabbi speak, that period lasts from yesterday till Sunday a week. So as you're going through this time, take this time as an opportunity to look up. Take that flash of light. Orient yourself. Look around. Take a look at your life. Am I heading in a good direction? Or do I need to make some adjustments? There's stuff I wanted to achieve last year that I didn't get done. Do I want to still do it? What are my goals? This is a good time to do that kind of thing. But as you're doing it, don't tell yourself anything. Let us shine.